You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. My Natural Hair is a podcast that shares all the information you're looking to learn about natural hair, the movement, the styles, growing your hair naturally, and meeting other people part of the natural hair culture and movement. My Natural Hair is hosted by LaDonna Sims and Markeisha St. Clair from Hair Goals 313. Collectively, LaDonna and Markeisha have over 25 years of experience doing natural hair. The Detroit is Different podcast is about exposing artistry, business, ideas, and dynamic people, places, and things that make Detroit a mecca. Tune in weekly and subscribe to get the true stories from the people shaping the culture of an American classic city. You're listening to the Piper Carter podcast on the Detroit is Different podcast network. I sent you to drink the water that Flint drinks. Can you give your kids the water the color of Hennessy? We can't sell these houses. We can't even afford to leave. Dear neighbor, I'm writing in hopes that you care, that I can't breathe. And all these toxins you put in the air, you're killing me. My son's so out of breath, he can't chase his dreams. Diagnosed with asthma, age three. With all this soot on his lungs, blacker than me. Dear Mr. Marathon, you're killing me. Pollution fills my eyes, but I can still see. So if I'm poor, you care less for me. But that doesn't mean that I'm worthless. Created in God's image, we all perfect. I know people that went to the hospital and never made it back. Sun filled lungs, all black. A whole generation with respiratory infections and asthma attacks. Mr. Marathon, you're killing me. Why you out here trying to save the world? Who gon' save me? Who gon' save me? You're listening to the Piper Carter podcast, and we're in the studio, fresh and live for you. What's up, Brittany, our token millennial? Peace, Piper. What's going on? I am back from D.C. protesting against that jerk, Kavanaugh, that represents this racist, fascist government. (laughs) So that was amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, It was kind of scary in real life. But we did it anyway. Um, I was part of a delegation of the World March of Women, mm-hmm. which um, is part of um, grassroots global justice. So, um, actually, another group that was out there doing their thing, Women's March, 
Um, I'm also part of Women's March Michigan, so that was kind of cool. That um, is cool. Let me see. What did I do? I held, I was part of uh, holding the banner on the front lines, um, chant leader, and... Um, listen to black women. Listen to black women. I got to speak. You yeah, did? Yeah, the National Women's Lawyers Guild asked me to speak, and so I spoke in, uh, out in front of the Senate. That was awesome. Thank you. You you held the trade down very well. Thank you. Yes, Thank you, you did. And what else? Um, it, it super sucks that he got confirmed, um, but there's more work to do, so he can't hold us back. We're, we're, we're coming strong, and I'm just excited about our two guests today because this is a part of how we're, uh, how we're coming back. Yes. Right? Yes, yes. All right. In the building, um, I want to bring in... Um, this woman is super incredible. Ingrid LaFleur. I first uh, learned about Ingrid in New York City and as she's a curator, mm. right? So that's how I first, that's how I actually came to know of Ingrid because she's known in the art world as, you know, curating lots of great um, mm. shows and things like that. And then um, later, I think the first time I actually met Ingrid was with Jessica Caremore's Black Women Rock because... Um, she did the, the videos. She did a beautiful uh, multimedia piece for that. And then I learned that she moved to Detroit and was doing great things. Um, she ran for mayor, right? Had yes. Gave it a great run um, and had a great platform. Two things that I think uh, were really incredible about her platform, mm-hmm. among many. One is uh, she was pushing for the cannabis economy. And another one um, pushing for us to learn more about cryptocurrency. Mm. So that's my like brief, very brief intro. And she's fly. Do you see what she has going on? She's always fly. I bet. Head to toe. Supermodel. So um, how you doing, Miss Ingrid? Thank you. Thank you. I'm great. Thank you for having me here. I'm so excited. This is exciting. I'm excited too. I'm honored. I'm like so excited you're here. This is gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. All right. And in the building, let me see. I've known of this gentleman as well from New York City. Wow. Um, yeah. He. So the, this is interesting because all these Detroit from, people from Detroit. From Detroit. Yeah. But all these Detroit people were like in New York City doing great things. That's awesome. And like moved back here to like do. Ingrid, awesome what stuff. part? What part of New York were you in? Brooklyn. Nice. Yeah. And I was in Brooklyn too. Okay. Sweet. Me too. <laughs> Brooklyn in the house. Yes. So Ryan Mack. So I first. So where I actually first met Ryan Mack though was here in Detroit, and it was um he was you were doing an event rebranding Detroit. Mm. Even before then. Was it before then? Yeah, because you were okay. doing the mentorship program for the young folks. Okay. And you had a, a wrap up program, end of year program, and you had the final program at Cast Tech. A Detroit mm. teaching. Yeah, the Detroit teaching. I brought CNN to Detroit. Yes. To show the young, brilliant, excellent minds of our city. Mm. And you had me, like, yeah. on a panel. Yeah. And um, that's how we first met. And yeah. I was like, wow, because I was, like, kind of a fan of yours. Uh, and, you know what I'm saying? Like, being able to, like, be to meet you in that way. Mm. You know what I mean? To, like, be asked to come on a panel. And mm. that was like, oh, snap. And then I think you were back and forth, back and forth, because you were, like, busy doing a bunch of different I've, I've, stuff. I've lived in New York for a long time, but I've never really left Detroit. Mm. Right. My, my spirit's always been here, so I'm right. always back doing something or another. Did you, go to, did you go to U of M? Yeah. I, I, I saw that. That's why I, I put this okay. on. Yeah. yeah. My, cool. <laughs> my pops played ball for them in 74, so okay. I read, you know, so I was like, let me throw this on. There you go. You know? There you go. <laughs> and so, I, well, you're super awesome. You do a lot of great things. In addition to mentoring, in addition to your activism, in addition to 
educating folks in addition to, you know, creating business deals in addition to all the other mm. awesome things that you do. And I really wanted to bring, um, well, welcome first. I'll say welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for coming. And I really wanted to bring um, both of you on here to have this conversation about, um, should I say, black people's sustainability. Mm. How's that? Is that fair? Sure. Does that, does that Sounds mean? good. Okay, awesome. So with that, um, I wanted you guys, so let's do this. Maybe each of you tell us a little bit about you and your work, and then we can move into like the conversation part. Okay. Because I just want people to kind of uh, get a better understanding of what your work is and, and you know, what it's centered around and, you know, anything that you want folks to know about the work that you do uh, regarding making sure that um, folks understand, you know, their role and being able to have their own power over their sustainability. Is that cool? So, okay, let's, I'll start with you, Ingrid. Okay, awesome. Uh, let's see. So I've been a curator for over 15 years and my area of expertise is Afrofuturism. <laughs> Afrofuturism is a cultural movement uh, that centers the black body and, um, expands the imagination so that we can create new realities and destinies for ourselves. And it uses speculative fiction to expand that imagination, like science fiction, fantasy, magical realism. Um, as a result of my Afrofuturist work, uh, we really look at how um, technology and science affect black bodies. And uh, so when people started talking about cryptocurrency, it was very appealing mm. uh, because it's like this whole other kind of financial paradigm that's mm. just being created out of thin air. It took me a long time to understand that it's really blockchain technology, the technology behind cryptocurrency that is the most exciting part mm. um, of this new digital economy that's growing. Uh, so as a result, when I was running for mayor, I, I proposed that Detroit create a universal basic income um, based off of a cryptocurrency that they would create. Uh, and that just <laughs> brought the attention of all of the universal basic income communities and the crypto communities around the world. And uh, it landed me here where I'm the chief community officer of EOC Detroit. We are a block producer for the new blockchain EOS. And the reason that I am working with this particular blockchain is because it's value-based. And I, I find that very interesting that you can create um, a financial paradigm where you are trying to create equal distribution of wealth and resources um, but attached to the very thing, that currency that, that would kind of make that happen, there's an ethic, a ethical value that's attached to that. Mm, right. Um, and so that, that is, it's an, a very curious experiment. It's very new. We're mm -hmm. talking about June this year it launched. Um, but everyone who's in the EOS community is very altruistic, which is interesting, for better or for worse. Um, but... It is, we're going to see some really interesting projects that are to serve the African diaspora. Mm -hmm. And outside of EOS, um, there are many tokens that have been created, like Wakoinda and Guab and so many other coins to really serve the African diaspora in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'm just very fascinated by all of that. And I really 
want to make sure that our people um, understand what's going on, have a deeper knowledge of it, a sophisticated knowledge, that we're not just the consumers and passive mm -hmm. users of this uh, technology that will be the back end. Blockchain technology is going to be the back end of so much. We, we won't even know when it's there. Um, but I, I just don't want us to be in the dark again. You know, marginalized groups, we usually are the last to know what's mm -hmm. happening in the tech space or finance, um, and especially in an economy that doesn't even see us as human. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, I think it's really important that we make sure that everyone knows what's going on, what's being planned, how they can participate, and hopefully innovate and lead in that sector. Thank Beautiful. you. Thank you. And after each, I like, I'm going to comment, um, like I told you before we got on air, um, I don't know you personally, but the people that I've come in contact when you were running for mayor, you know, they said not only nice things about you, you just use big words, you just opened all of our <laughs> imaginations up. But the thing that I heard about you the most is that you are such a people person and that you really, really, really are cool and chill and that you are relatable. And in order for you to give us that type of imagery and our type of community, that's what's needed. So I think that's very powerful and, and big ups to you for that. Yes. Thank you, thank yes. You. That energy is needed for you to be able to spread that message. You know, so I like that. I, I would like to talk because we have a, a I'm Mocafi. I'm the chief literacy officer. And we're actually in the process of uh, applying uh, in Stockton, California, using mm. universal mm -hmm. basic income. Yeah. Mm. We're, we might be getting that to actually help implement it using blockchain technology mm. uh, as a part of the back end. So oh, wow. I would love to, to, to have a further conversation with you about, especially here in Detroit, yeah. how that's working out. Because okay. literally day by day, we might be able to see whether that's going to happen. So I'd love to talk to you oh, about Oh, that's that. super exciting That'll to be hear. Great. Yeah. So speaking of which... Please tell us about well. Tell us about what you do and what you've been doing in terms of the uh, financial education. Yeah. But um. But then also, please tell us about your platform. Well, the the platform is is, is about financial education. I was a stock trader for the largest Nasdaq trading firm in the world, Nasdaq Equity Markets. I traded biotechnology stocks. I left there to start my own financial planning company because they told me I can only work with high net worth individuals. And I said, no, I'm not going to want to work with rich folks. I want to work with mm. everybody. So I got an offer. I'm not going to say the name of the company I got an offer from, but I declined that offer. Started Optimum Capital Management. And from Optimum Capital Management, we have went on to create uh, a lot of programs. Uh, we've worked with a lot of individuals, those who are formerly incarcerated, those who are gang members. I spent a lot of my time in homeless shelters and prisons. Uh, really teaching individuals uh, how to maximize wealth and how to learn about the economic system uh, so they won't be exploited, so they won't be marginalized. Uh, for the period, I actually saw a young girl, uh, I was, she was about 12 years old on my block, and she was murdered. They were pulling the sheet over her head. And that, at that point, that was in Brooklyn. At that point, the previous 10 years, I had 10, uh, 10 years, five of my good friends were murdered by gun violence mm. in Detroit. So I said, you know what, what if we can use economics as a means for good to help those individuals who don't have any other way? Because I've talked a lot of the gang members, they say many of the same thing. I just don't know another way. I just don't know another way. When I see someone out there, I see someone, they have this fur coat, I look at it as a mean, means to feed my child. And so I can't, if you're hungry, you do a lot of things. And hunger can make you do a lot of things. So my job, our job is not to judge them, our job is to help the people. So we said, let's go ahead and help them. So we pulled the Bloods and Crips and Latin Kings together, me and Kevin Powell, the activists, and Wayne. Shouts out to Kevin Powell. Yeah, good dude, man, really good dude. Um, so we all pulled folks together, and from that I met with the leader of the Bloods, 
and we helped him form a business and he helped about 10 other bloods form be part of his business um and wow. from that we helped over 2000 individuals who were formerly incarcerated to uh learn about financial literacy start their own businesses and of that 2000 over 60% kept jobs for over 6 months and of that 60% less than 5% went back to prison cuz now they had another way you know I was also chair of education Medgar Evers College on the board there so I was helping individuals get into Medgar Evers College, Brooklyn Education Opportunities, and all sorts of things, we were helping individuals find another way. And that's been pretty much the mouth of my platform now. Uh, and I'll, again, I'm Chief Literacy Officer for Mobility Capital Finance. And so our, uh, our whole mission really is creating a means for underserved and unbanked communities, that 88 million individuals who don't have a bank account, who are being exploited by check cashing places. How can we help those individuals mm. to find another means to learn money, uh, learn about cap, learn about uh, capitalism, whatever folks want to call it. I know it's a negative term for a lot of your listeners it's out there. Right. But, <laughs> but whatever they want to learn about, just learn how to not be exploited so they can have make means for themselves and then help for their own community and provide for themselves. So I'm still, it, it's involved, I'm still working with gang members, I'm still in prisons, I've written a few, few books about it, I'm still doing CNN, I'm still doing different things to help get the message out that at the end of the day, if you free a bird from its cage, it's great. But at the end of the day, if you don't teach that bird how to fly, you, that bird still does not travel. So right. I want to, I view economics as teaching that bird how to fly. And that's my lane. There are many different lanes. There are many different right. individuals doing many different things. Social justice. I was on the bridge blocking it for Eric Gardner. I marked for Tamir, Tamir Rice down in Cleveland. I marked for Laquan McDonald on Black Friday in Chicago. I marked for Freddie Gray down in Baltimore, down Fulton Street with my, my boy Jamal Bryant. And I'll continue to march. I'll continue mm. to march and be out here for Trayvon Martin, Amadou Diallo, Sean Bell. I'll continue to march and be a proactive uh, participant and making sure that we can create systemic change. But also, I know a lot of my brothers and sisters that I work with, especially in the Brooklyn area and in Detroit, they know that they think that selling Lucy's is the only way they can make a means mm -hmm. to make a living. And no, selling Lucy's shouldn't be a death sentence, and that's why they should have been indicted. Mm. But on the other hand, can we also empower them while we're protesting and saying, indict those individuals who uh, oppress our people and kill us and put and make my melanin a weapon, right? right? Can can we also at the same time say, hey, let's just educate you and say, come on, let's stop selling Lucy's and let's figure out what we can do down at McGavis College and get your GED, learn about some blockchain, whatever you can do to learn about how to become a sustainable change where you're not uh, put in harm's way. So that's pretty much the platform. Well, I'll say mm -hmm. that's amazing. And I was telling Piper on our way over here that uh, when I was doing my research on you, I don't know you either, but I'm not, you know, familiarizing myself with you. I saw in 2011 where you used the resource as a bus and you changed it into a place where people could come inside the bus, yeah. check their credit score, and um, you did, you segmented them off yeah. and they were able to learn a little bit more about their finances. And I mm. love people who are able to take certain type of things and use it as a resource. Right. And, uh, impact the community so I think that's what, what you guys both have in common right. mm -hmm. and you remind me of a young Furious Styles off Boys in the Hood you giving it <laughs> that, that both that balance talking that econ but also talking about you know how we're affected by it too and we're, yeah. we're not opening our eyes up to it and the first uh, you know you, like I said back in 2011 you know this is a conversation that you know now that more people when I say more people mainstream media the Jay-Z's the Diddy's 
they want to talk black econ and right. this is something that you know i think that you 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 started on early it's, so it's big easy, it's easy for them to talk econ when you're sitting on a half a billion yeah right. yep and right. the right and the bigger point i'm making is is that you started with it you started with it early so that's oh, awesome yeah. yeah and uh the first guy i ever saw really talking about it a few years ago was Dr. Claude Anderson, you also yeah. remind me of him too, so that's awesome. We're actually we actually both teach for Boyce Watkins Black Business School. Together. Okay, that's awesome. So uh, as a good buddy of mine. That's awesome. He's cool. I like him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is cool. Well, this is what I wanted to do. So um, because I feel that um, many times when the Black economic conversation comes about, a lot of times um, it seems as though it's mostly talking about investment, right? Or that kind of that 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 part of economics, right? Mm-hmm. But the conversation that I wanted to have was a little bit different from like a that kind of typical conversation, and I wanted to have it more around like moving forward. You talked mm-hmm. about like Afrofuturism, and so um, you know, seeing ourselves, you know, in the in the future, like from now through the future, mm-hmm. and how we can co-create this sustainable, you know, community for ourselves, how we can co-create, um, you know, sustainable ways that we help one another uh, move through life, I should say. And so, um, Ryan, we had always <laughs> had these conversations for hours and hours about yeah. capitalism, because I'm like anti-capitalist. And I mean, I'm not saying you're like, uh, I don't mean you're a capitalist in a bad way. So everyone is listening. I'm just saying he does his view of capitalism is different, right? And so when when uh, you just heard him say his uh, you just heard you know what he said about the that he's pro regenerative. So I wanted to bring you in because you're always wanting to have this conversation around um, black wealth, black capitalism, like mm. people. And I wanted to bring in Ingrid because Ingrid um, also has been working around the world with different communities that um, have created huge solutions mm. for for lots of for like many people right for like cities mm. for like towns for you know which is different than you know um normally when we have conversations we're having them about well you need to well, what you need to do but i but i wanted to bring you in because you're thinking or you're working more around systems and and these systems that can help large amounts of people mm. right and so i wanted to kind of that's what I mean when I say move into the future. So less about like um, how you personally spend your money, which is important, but more about this huge, bigger, like systemic thing. And that, and so I want to see we can just have a free flowing conversation. So you guys feel free to jump in, like that. Is that cool? Yeah. Sure. Okay. All right. Sure. Sure. I I I think um, Ryan's work. I I I really applaud it because as we're trying to. Our, you know, work towards systems change, which is a massive, massive thing, and we're not the first ones to try and tackle this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, wh- but now we we think we might have technology, which would be blockchain technology and crypto, to make the shift. We are hoping mm-hmm. that is possible, but in the meantime, which it's going to take a while, people do need to learn how to exist within this economic system. Yeah. And a system that literally renders black bodies as objects. Mm -hmm. And it was never, ever meant to serve 
black bodies. Mm-mm. So it makes it even more challenging and difficult mm-hmm. um, to navigate. And the conversations um, I've been organizing, it's been coming up time and time again. Black people have trauma with you know, engaging financial institutions. So how are we going to attend to that trauma as we're teaching people about a new economic system that that could be created, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's hard to imagine that when you're you're kind of wounded in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that is the challenge. Uh, the, how do we make the transition, make sure that everyone can come along, um, but not really create any kind of gaps that people can fall into right. in, that, in the middle of that transition? We want this to be as peaceful and as smooth as possible. One of the major issues that I'm facing in blockchain technology world is that we're trying to replicate the same economic system that exists now. Uh, And I think that it's just because of a lack of imagination and sometimes courage Mm. um, to do something different, to actually put in the work to create something different. Not everyone in blockchain, but but I do see people sometimes unintentionally creating the same thing simply because they haven't done the work to shift their own consciousness before going into this place of systems change. Mm -hmm. And so that was the other thing that came out in the last conversation that I had about preserving black spaces. This woman um, hit me up on Facebook and was like, well, before we can talk about preserving black spaces, we need to figure out how we can trust each other. Mm. And I was like, girl. So, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but that's the work, right? And so yeah. it will always go into shifting the consciousness and mental, how, yes. yeah, it's always mental, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And, and that is where the liberation really begins. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but, you know, while we're doing, asking people to shift consciousness, they got to eat, they got to yeah. pay their rent, yeah. you know, they got to pay these high ass water bills, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, they got to make sure their children aren't going to be taken away from them because mm-hmm. they can't pay the water bill. Right. right. You know, like real shit is happening in mm-hmm. our world and it's aggressive. As yeah. you know, yeah. we all know how aggressive, especially in Detroit. You feel it. Yeah. You feel it. You see it. It's affecting our communities in deep, deep ways. Um, so there, you know, there's. I think this is all, we're all, it flows together. Mm -hmm. We're all in tandem. But I I do want to make sure that people do understand how the global economic system works, how it was created, Mm -hmm. so that then when we're making something new, we're not going to redo the same thing. Agreed. Yeah. I I think trust is, uh, just to piggyback off of that, is one of those things where if we have so many solutions in our people, right? There's, yeah. We're so, so, and we're all, there's so much brilliance. There's so many individuals out there who have different means and different ways of taking on this fight. Because this is a fight. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time coming how we got here. And it's going to be a long time coming how we get out of the situation where we're in now. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to happen overnight. But what's, what's not going to make us successful is if we start to look at each other. And many times we find a difference of opinion, we begin to demonize that difference of opinion. Mm-hmm. And that happens mm-hmm. on either side, whether you're pro capitalist, anti capitalist, whether you no matter whether you're Democrat, Republican, uh, you know, we've got brothers here in Detroit who are Republican. Yes. Right? We do. And I'm a proud Democrat, but I still look at them as my brothers, right? I look at them as my brothers. We differ on most policy. Mm -hmm. We differ on most uh, positions in terms of how we feel we're going to move our communities forward. But I can look at them with love. Can we? And if I'm really being honest with myself, and sometimes I had to get over it, can I look at a John James Mm -hmm. who embraces in full stop the Trump platform? 
the Trump platform that says don't be kind to blacks, or if you put their head in the in the in the whatever, or that Nazis are, are the same as people who protest Nazis, or me- Mexicans can't do their job because they're Mexicans, or or all these things that full stop a racist white nationalist platform. He embraces that and says, "I that's I endorse I I, I embrace his endorsement." Can I look at him and say he's still my brother? And you know what? I can. Mm-hmm. I, I differ with him on. But I, I honestly do believe, in some form, in some form, and something I do believe in some form, because I know his parents, uh, that he's a little bit disingenuous about his perspective. But I do believe that he feels he wants to do good. Okay, he, I could be totally wrong, and I do believe he might be totally self-serving. I don't know. But we have to start looking at each other and saying, can we at least have a dialogue? Yeah. Where it's not full of emotion. And people getting mad because they happen to defer or have a different perspective. Because my whole philosophy is this. Hey, listen. If we're trying to drive a car, my car breaks down. And you're responsible. Someone's responsible for fixing the engine. The other one's responsible for fixing the fan belt. Are we going to debate over which problem's bigger? Or understand that both solutions have to be fixed before the car can operate effectively? And no matter who's it fixing the engine or the fan belt problem, we all have to say, listen, we have our problem. Let's figure out how we can make this ebb and flow possible. Because we can't get on to any other systemic change unless we learn how to... Real story. Sister was... Uh, is a young... is an a, a older... Uh, she's a grandmother. And there was a young brother in his 20s. They got their water, water cut off. Uh, it's one of my mentees. So I'm not going to say too much information about him. Put his information out there. But he was working at McDonald's. You know, was not making that living wage at McDonald's, so they didn't have enough water to pay the bill. So they were living in poverty, you know, and, and, and full. so sometimes he wouldn't get the hours he wanted. So we actually started working together. We started working together. Uh, long story short, he drove that Uber. He got his Uber and Lyft going. We started looking at different things. We, we enrolled him into the different systems, Wayne County Community College. Next thing you know, he came out, got certified, hooked him up with Rick Pruis and other individuals with IBW and started connecting with different unions. Now the brother is making a decent wage. His grandmother was on disability, so she really couldn't work at all. Mm. So he was making a living wage. Now they got their water cut back on. But he had to just learn what he can do within himself. Now, that's not going to be the same situation for everybody. Okay, It's not going to happen that easy for everybody. But that brother now, he got his water cut back on. Now he can start saying, hey... Let me take some of my money. I see sister up the street that's got her water cut off. Hey, you go here. Here's a little water. Here's, here's some money in the pot to put your to turn your water back on. Now we're going from empowering yourself using the capitalism model to giving out money using the socialism model. But to give out money like a socialist, you got to first earn it like a capitalist. And so what he's doing is using love to actually empower the next household over. So. Uh, I think that all these things can work together because we've used socialism, Medicare socialism, Social Security socialism, universal basic income socialism. I mean, all these things can help our communities. And there are different elements that if we could just learn how to work together, we'd be all right. I do want to say this, though. Um, We haven't been in the Trump era before. And in real life, I think it's dangerous for us to trust government systems at this point. Mm. I mean, I'm looking at... Uh, uh, things in the past from like Tuskegee for like your like your medic like our 
like like what's being uh, approved for the EPA was uh, or or how that's being destroyed right mm-hmm. and, and with our environment or like medical uh, medical care right so who knows what's coming down the pipe with all this diabolical stuff so and the presidential alerts these the Ooh. testing of the presidential alerts that's like terrible. what is that and why are you doing that Obama right. probably had the capability to do that he never I'm did sure. that so what you're trying to give us your bullshit direct mm. into my watch and my uh. phone like direct on a daily like yeah. probably straight fascism ro- look handmaid's tale I was like mama it's time to go <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah like, but I guess like in the in the <laughs> land of you know um yes socialism but i but I, I i i'm saying yes i agree with both of you and we have to we have to dismantle this system and we have to do something in the meantime while we're dismantling the system we have to create something new and at the same time we really got to be forward thinking because this system really wants to kill us and you know genocide us really wants to take away our education yeah. build prisons like really ruining our food systems you know so we've really got to create it's something very, and, new and not to be negative but i think that the system would kill itself before we got on mm. to be honest i think it i think the system would rather see itself fail but they're than going to, to see space it. do you see what I, but <laughs> they, the, well, they, they already told us they already have uh elon musk already has um selling tickets to to get on the shuttle to go to mars like jeff mills is already going to be djing the first event uh going to mars well, <laughs> and we, they're going to leave us here. And we're already polluting space with all the junk. Right, and right. So that's what we mean by the, replicating the system. Right. We're affecting now the freaking, like, <laughs> the atmosphere <laughs> around us. Um, we're on Mars. We have junk on Mars. There's, mm. We've already, like, trashed another planet. Wow. Um, and we haven't physically inhabited it in terms of human bodies yet. So, you know, that's the problem when we're we're constantly, um, when we don't really get to the root of the thing. So I think my only issue with capitalism or, you know, when we just kind of think of it in the short term, right? So we're we're asking the brother to, to, to look at different ways to earn money. But the issue is that we're still using devices and kinds of tools that are exploiting human bodies to produce that thing, right? Um, And so we are actually sanctioning the slavery, that which we fight against on a daily basis here Mm -hmm. um, in our own reality. So that that is the the delusion of capitalism. It doesn't want to tell you, you know, how we're able to sit here with lights and, you know, and all the all the trappings of Western life, life in the West, you know, those in um, and the global South will be quick to tell you that you have X, Y, and Z because of us. Right. <laughs> right. Right. But we are the ones who do not benefit economically from that. So it's really about how do we, you know, make sure that there is equitable distribution of mm-hmm. the resources of the currency, whatever is necessary. Um, but the global economy is not constructed to really serve um, those that produce the laborers. None of that. That is not the point. And I think my, my, my whole piece is, can we control our space, right? Can we control the space? And we're like, of those 2,000 individuals who we helped empower over a two-year period, it happened because of me and others who had our own businesses. We didn't get a dime of funding mm. from anybody. 
in order to help do the training. Mm. We didn't get any, the only support that we were able to do in helping those individuals coming home from prison to get them reintegrated into society came from my ability to earn money, make money, do my financial planning. I was a financial planning at the time, make enough money and, and do what I have to do, wrote books or whatever I had to do, and then go back and say, okay, I have enough money to pay my bills. Now I can spend some time in this prison and go to Rikers so when these brothers come back, we have a system put in place that they can actually feel like they've been reintegrated successfully. And so I don't feel that there are a lot of things in terms of exploit. I mean, Lord, I mean, Nike shoes are being exploitive. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's little things that are, are, are being created, especially of the different parts of the phone. They broke down the Apple phone and all these folks being mm -hmm. exploited in the order to create those things. Mm -hmm. I believe I don't believe the system is at fault. I do believe that greed is at fault. And if we look at it and say, you know what? I didn't like the way that they created that space, right? Mobility capital finance. You know, as a brother, he, I, I didn't form the organization. I'm the chief literacy officer but and, and partner in it. But Wole said, I didn't like the way that banks were operating. They were exploiting individuals. And when he came to me, said, Ryan, we need financial literacy. We, we, were, we met only because... Uh, we were both going after the same contract from Jimmy Settles, and Jimmy Settles at UAW said, man, look, I'm tired of y'all coming to me. Y'all need to just talk to each other, okay? Y'all need to talk to each other. Y'all are two black men doing good things in the financial realm. So we came and we connected, right? And it came about because and we didn't like the way that banks were operating. We didn't like the way that banks were exploiting individuals of color and people who are underserved in the community in general. So can we change that? And that was the, 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 the effort was, okay, we understand we have to keep our lights on, but can we do it in a non-exploitive way where we're putting empowerment first, even before we're making money? Because most of the teaching, even as I'm doing under MochaFile, Mobility mm. Capital, I'm not getting paid for most of this teaching. But we're putting education first and then using that as a means to say, hey, if you think, you, if you like us, then come to us and bank with us if you feel that we can establish trust as we talk about with our community and that's what we've decided to do that and I think if we can start looking at those organizations as a whole who do uh, exploit local communities whether it be globally or say you know what that's a model I don't think I can use and I can take love and inject it in the way I want to make money and remove the greed and then come together because I can tell you right now you go to Koreatown in New York they are working well together. Uh, Italians in New York, Jewish community in New York, and I'm saying New York a lot because I lived there for 13 years. Like my first time I was in New York, I saw a, a bus with a bunch of, 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 of Jewish children on it. And I said, I didn't know that y'all had a, 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 you know, I said, y'all got the uh, public, bu bu public bus system. I said, can, the, can kids take the bus? He said, no, no, they can take the bus, but you can't get on that bus. That's the Jewish bus. They had their own bus system. So they didn't like the current educational system that New York was provided them. And, you know, you lived in Brooklyn over there. They got, they got their own. They said, we're going to make our own stores. We're going to make our own education system. We're going to make our own libraries. We're going to make everything we're going to do, we're going to operate it amongst ourselves. And then we're going to operate within your political system where people like Letitia James would have to go back in the day. She told me, she said, hey, Ryan, if I want to get the vote, from the Jewish community, I talked to one person, and that one person represents over 5,000. And they speak to them, and it's all on one accord. And that one person speaks because they all have the exact same unified platform. I think that, 
I understand we want to do systemic change, but nothing that we're going to do is going to be successful unless we do it together. And, okay. we, and it has to be collective. Mm. Yeah, so a couple things. So I agree, like with, like Piper said, I agree with both of you. So I also understand like a lot of listeners and a lot of people who will say, you know, the, the, the cultures you just mentioned, the Jewish cultures, or even I look, you know, we were talking statistics before, we started going and the Indian community is one of the, you know, the median, the median income is the highest income in the Indian, in the Indian community. And when you think about immigrants and the head starts that they have when they come here, they're, they're offered to come here so that they can, if the, and most of them, when they come here, they're people who are of a certain class. They're people who have a certain educational values already. And they are doors have been open for them to come here because of that. And then you look at the Jewish communities. And I guess the point I'm making is I understand the arguments of those people who say when you when you make that argument, look at the other cultures around us and look at how they get along. But there hasn't been a systematic. uh, How can I put it? There hasn't been a systematic chessboard chess game on the table for those groups of people. However, we still have to learn how to look at what works for others and see how we can apply it. So I do agree. Mm-hmm. But the point I'm making is, is it's not, it's not as easy. It, it's not as obviously not as easy for oh, the black gonna, community. It's, it's going to be very challenging. It's, 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 and, and I think with that being said, it, if back to what you did with the bloods and, and I think, did you say the Crips or did you just do it Blood, with the bloods? Bloods, Crips, couple that. You mentioned right. something that I think is more valuable for, you know, you guys all are around very prominent, all type of people, but you guys are around very prominent black people. And so I think what's important is, is that for each segment of type of black people to understand their value set. And when you think about the mentality of drug dealers, when you not, I'm not condoning it, but when you think about how they, how they think and how they will not do certain things and how they have their own, they have their own systems and their own values that work for them. Mm. When you think about the drug culture and how they have created capital, capital, capitalism values to make it work. It's still the drug, the drug game hasn't gone anywhere. So if we can take how certain segments of our people think and use it to our ability, then that's how, to me, we shift the mindset versus pointing the finger at it. Because in order for us to get to where Ingrid needs us to be, because that's where we're going, no matter what we, it is a, it is a mentality shift, but it's not a mentality shift in the sense where you're pointing the finger but we have to find a way to shift our mentality to find value in the things that we're not used to so that we can so that we can grow together. And that's the I think that's the only the only way we can start to look at it. I, I, I don't because at the end of the day, we're hamsters on a wheel forever in a day. Even if we go to cryptocurrency, we're still chasing something that is. Yeah. Well, I do want to say this, though. I, I don't I don't want to say that um, that immigrants come here and have a leg up. Because of many immigrants come here and don't, especially yeah. black immigrants, especially Haitian, African immigrants, yeah. especially Haitian immigrants, yeah. especially, uh, you know, just a lot of immigrants don't don't have that. Now Agreed. that, but that is a narrative that was put into the American system to make us be against immigrants when they wanted to ruin the unions, because what they did was they started moving our companies overseas. And instead of uh, uh, Americans uh, having a full 
uh, knowledge of like that's actually what was happening. They were fed a narrative through the news that so-called immigrants were like taking your jobs when actually your jobs are being outsourced <laughs> to someplace else. And so they created that narrative to create dissension between Agreed. between us. So I just wanted to and, to, and let to, me clear and there. let me clarify yeah. too. What I'm meaning is, let's say certain per, certain even even going down that path certain. Arab communities, for instance, when you talk about when you when you break it down even to how we even got in this system. And I think one I think, Ryan, I think one of the things you mentioned when I saw online is the biggest way to advance as a as a collective is through real estate. And the first thing that the European got when they got here was land. land they yeah. were they were given sets of land. They were immigrants. Yeah. They were given things so that they could advance. They were they they were advertised uh, wick. They advertised bridge cars. It wasn't bridge cars back then. Food stamps as something to get ahead. But then when we started being able to have, be able to get to our hands on those things, it was demonized. So certain groups, even, even now, and the point I'm making too is, is that those, there's some um, people who are immigrants that come here, not with a leg up, but they come here with purpose. So when they come here with purpose as a collective, they're able to accomplish things that others aren't. So I don't want to make it seem like the American society allows these other groups of people to come in to make us look bad. That's not what I'm saying. But there's, diff- there's so many different conversations in one when you talk about immig- immigrants. So I that's all I'm, uh, all I, I'm saying. If you look, if you read uh, my dear sister's book, uh, The New Jim Crow, uh, Michelle Alexander, I think it was one of the most tangible pieces of evidence. And I, I've, I have never read a book that gave as much visual evidence of racism. Like that to me was the furthest it went to say, let me prove to you, it's hard to prove racism. Well, it, it, that was the closest that it got to me. I, I love the book. Um, and I don't think that there's any dispute that there are many more obstacles that place the black man and black woman than other cultures and races that we have to go through. But for me, when I look at a brother coming home from prison, a brother in a homeless shelter, a sister who had to go and escape uh, to a domestic violence shelter, abuse. I look at folks who see potential. I see potential mm. in them. I see mm-hmm. ability in them. Uh, I think my mic just went off. No, it's good. Yeah, okay. Is it? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I see ability in them. I see, and my only thing and my only task is how do I make it? How do I make them see it in themselves? Because no matter what we decide to do, right? No matter how we decide to make it. If an individual doesn't believe that they, within in and of themselves, have the ability to be successful, no matter what solution we put on the table, we've already lost the game. So I'm open for any solution that wants to. I know from me perspective, you're right in real estate, so I'll I'll continue to teach in my lane, and I'm also continuing to listen and learn from other individuals in your lane. Piper, you suggested one brother that you connected me to, mm-hmm. one brilliant brother who, uh, what was his name? There's yeah. a few. <laughs> Yeah, one brother. Uh, well, what did he do? He was. Uh, he, he was. He uh, was. I don't want to say anti-capitalist, but he was finding different ways to operate. B. With Anthony. Yes, B. Anthony. Yeah, shouts out to B. Anthony. Brian, a <laughs> and I was. Like, I think he had a lot of great ideas mm-hmm, that I think mm-hmm. that we could listen to. But I think that we have a hurdle to get over, and that comes from 
whether or not can we even sometimes forget trust each other. Do we trust ourselves to be able to get mm-hmm. out of the current situation? Because it's, I think hope is one of the commodities that we are far short on in this mm-hmm. current economy. That's hilarious because uh, my friend Bryce hates hope. Really? <laughs> my friend Bryce hates hope. <laughs> he thinks it's a, is it a, he thinks hope. False reality? Mm-hmm. He thinks hope is a drug that like keeps really? black people doped up on hope. Are you but serious? we always have that conversation because I'm a, I love hope as well. And mm, that's my too. brother I always disagree with, but it's part of us humans. disagree with everything. Like that's one of, like how me and you argue all the time. Right. Like, I have those three, four hour conversations mm-hmm. with Bryce too. Shouts out to Bryce. It's a human element. We had is. him on the podcast. Yeah. I love yeah. Bryce. I love Bryce. He's brilliant. Mm-hmm. So you know. I want to ask you in the rooms that you're sitting in, uh, Ingrid, through the, I think, well, Donald Trump's presidency, if he's reelected, it would be 2024. Would that be, would that be right? Would, would, You're saying would took, well, he would end? Yes. Well, shoot. If he, if he, if I'm he saying hypothetically. So say we, worst, worst 2020. Worst, let's say 2020. Y'all both gave me looks like, what are you here? <laughs> oh Remember you God. just said hope. <laughs> but, um, oh what are some of the conversations people are having about where we're going to be in 2024? Like, I know that these, there are people who are mapping things out and they're making these predictions. What are some of the strong predictions that you've heard that are just like alarming to you or just that, that open, you said that, that, what is the word you use? You said that, not excited, it started with F. You, I love the word you, you said, you said it, it just made you excited. Open your, it opened you up. It made you want to research it. It just, yeah, I think right now, you know, I live in a futurist space. Okay. Uh, so everything in my world is very experimental and on the cutting edge of things. Mm-hmm. So what we're t- talking about right now is widespread adoption. Okay. And so we will have widespread adoption by 2024, um, definitely. Can you talk a if little not bit sooner. about that? Widespread adoption of cryptocurrency, meaning everybody will know how to use cryptocurrency and will be using it in whatever way mm. they deem um, necessary. What I'm ex- most excited about is getting it into the hands of black youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're going to teach us how all, the full potential mm-hmm. of sure um, crypto mm-hmm. uh, and what it means to create de- decentralized autonomous communities. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're going to go over and beyond with the technology, mm-hmm. and so we're almost at that point where we have the applications to make that happen, okay. to make it user friendly and easier. I think that is going to create a new reality that we can no one can sketch out. Nobody has an idea of what that could look like. We have no idea what that looks mm. like. We've never done this before. Um, the digital economy is really up to our imagination. Mm. And uh, that's what makes it so exciting. Uh, and, you know, even though Bitcoin was created in 2009, it, we're still at the very, very beginning mm. of all of this. And I just really want to make sure that, you know, black people are involved and deep in the conversation and that we're supporting some of these crypto projects that are coming about. Uh, and, and we have knowledge of them, and it's hard to get the knowledge around and move it around. You know, I'm, I'm understanding colonization in terms of language. You know, in the tech space, there is so intentional and in making mm. it difficult and intimidating so that when you say cryptocurrency or blockchain technology, people shut down on you, and you're like, it's really not, it's not that scary. Blockchain technology is literally a record of data um, that is held in multiple servers around mm. the world. Uh, 
that's it. And it's immutable. It's very secure. I mean, in, the, in its most simplest form. That's mm. it. Everything else, it's like what you can do with it, you can do with it. But, you know, you know, t- if you, tech people want to get into all this acronyms and want to talk about coding and RAM and shit, it, it, that all of that doesn't really matter, right? Um, and, but, it, it, but it is very much intentional in trying to make sure that only a certain amount of people will participate in these deeper, more meaningful ways. And, and that is something that I'm trying to break down uh, and trying to, to make sure that uh, we know what's going on and everything is, is, at, is as accessible as possible. But yeah, the future is super bright. It's super exciting. Okay. Um, there's going to be some things that might my company EOS Detroit is going to be launching soon. Okay. And uh, it's going to change dynamics here in the city. Okay, I'm going to give you a piece of my imagination, which is probably not far-fetched from what you do. So is there a way to create a cryptocurrency that is specifically for Blacks only? And I know that sounds crazy, where we are only able to use that cryptocurrency if it's supporting another Black business or if if it can be traced to only going towards uh, building a Black community or Black something, Black this... Like, is that too far-fetched? It's not too far-fetched, and there are so many projects that are in process um, that they're trying to figure that out, okay. actually. Okay. So we're trying, we'll see okay. if it's even possible. The, the difficulty of it is how you're valuing the token. Mm. If you want it to be valued in a very global sense, then no. There's okay. no way that you can keep it to just the African diaspora. But you can create decentralized autonomous communities where it's... It, those DACs can be majority black and that token can circulate and serve that community itself. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just keeping an eye on the projects, uh, that are out Mm -hmm. right now. And Mm -hmm. I should be writing up an article. I'll share it with you guys because I want to bring it all together right now off the top of my head. I think there's like five or six tokens. There's going to be a sister chain off of EOS. That's going to be serving only the African diaspora. So really exciting things are coming. Interesting. So, okay. I want you to let's have a conversation really quickly about uh, the decentralized autonomous economy, democracy and uh, resource generation, because many of the issues that we have, like you said before, and like you said before, is because our communities um, have a have a consciousness of lack Mm. when actually our communities have lots of assets, like our communities are full of assets. But like, but like you said, if folks don't self-identify as being an asset or don't um, identify anyone or anything in their community as an asset, then there's a disconnect, right? Mm-hmm. So the disconnect becomes uh, not viewing themselves as being a part of community or not being a part of the community that they're actually in or not seeing um, the value that they have or not seeing the value around them. Um, and so a part of moving into the future is shifting this consciousness, right? We have, we have folks have to shift, shift their consciousness to, like you said, Ryan, having that value for self. And, um, and, and, and the reason I wanted to kind of concentrate on the uh, decentralized autonomous economy is because it's really sort of the opposite of how we've been trained as black Americans. At, at least me, I know myself, maybe you guys as well have in black American communities and households, we're trained that success means that you get away from here 
because everything around here is terrible and not valuable. You go someplace else and become quote unquote successful. And then success is this sort of striver mentality or climber mentality. And if you're striving and climbing, it means that you're comparing yourself, right? In, in comparison to, to another. And so then your value then becomes juxtaposed mm-hmm. against the value of other, another, or whoever you happen to be, right, competing with per se. But it, but it seems as though in this decentralized autonomous economy, in order to be uh, autonomous as a community, we, that trust aspect is going to have to be, you know, uplifted. And how do we move to this? And you know what I mean? Like, how do we actually move to this? And, and, and how do we build that trust? And how do we build that that self-value? How do we, like, what's the how? Do you know what I mean? How do we get there? I think if, if you, I, I think we need to redefine what prosperity means. And I, I like to discuss this a lot. I think to be prosperous, um, many people think of like maybe Warren Buffett or Bill Gates or maybe Bob Johnson, Oprah Winfrey, right? But prosperous in and of itself only means to achieve a certain level desired in life, okay? I've achieved a level desired. And there's many ways to be prosperous outside even the financial space. Mm. You can be mentally prosperous and having a strong mind and, and, and positive thinking. You can be socially prosperous and having the ability to go out and volunteer regularly. I mean, we are eating the government cheese as much as anybody else growing up. But I believe my mother was never, at, at never one point in time was my mother not prosperous. Mm. Even though she, we had to have the, the carnated milk and the, the sauces that had all the gristle in it. Even though it was good and the cheese was good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we were always prosperous. We were, we were spiritually prosperous. Mm-hmm. We had a, a, a spiritual grounding of prosperity mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. we've achieved the level. We, we understood that we were always happy and content. Not, to be, not happy to be broke, but happy despite being broke. Not happy with my state, but happy in our state. Mm. Knowing that tomorrow could be a better and brighter day. We could be uh, uh, physically prosperous in terms of working out and, 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 and eating, trying to eat as best we can and make sure we're putting healthy things in our bodies. So I think if we redefine prosperity and having a more broad definition of it, those individuals that might not have a dollar in their pocket can really look at themselves and still understand that I still might have a level of prosperity. Mm. And I'm still valuable. And I'm, I can still be prosperous with a negative $7 bank account. <laughs> um, but it, And I think that we, because I tell in my, on my workshops, I say my job is not to teach you how to be millionaires. That's mm-hmm. not my job. My job is to make sure that if you're worried about money, how can I remove that from your life? So you can achieve what God meant you to be here to achieve, which wasn't to make money. It was to do something which is providing value. And value is not, and and hopefully, and 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 what I try to do is is make sure folks understand that value is not only a monetary value. It's a value of purpose. It's a value of fulfilling your passion. And some of my most brightest times when I walked away from Wall Street a year later and I was back to eating cheese nipped and tuna fish, you know, I was, I was still providing a hell of a lot of value, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I was still doing a lot of great things. So that kept me motivated. Mm-hmm. That kept me motivated when they shut my lights off and I had to go to uh, my uh, sister's house in order to stay, to use showers and stuff like that. But that kept me motivated to say, look, I still have a better and brighter day, even though I'm broke as a joke and my savings are gone. God gave me a vision, so I'm still going to strive towards it. 
So I think if we can start redefining that, then that will start to help us at, at least give us a better starting point that no one in our community is lack of value. We just have to redefine what we think value is. And mm-hmm. it ain't always about money, especially if you ain't got no money. Mm-hmm. So I think if we start there, then we might be a little bit better at giving back some of our self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think also, um, in addition to that, which is really um, head on, and I think, Brittany, you, you just mentioned that as well, is, creating these new value systems. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, of course, we have to do it without this colonized mind, right? Right. And so, like, that's Mm. it's super tricky. And so how do we decolonize the mind? And this is why I go back to Afrofuturism. Uh, It gives us new images of ourselves, of black bodies, and how we can operate in this world on this planet, Mm -hmm. Um, but not necessarily of these systems. And so that is, can be very helpful in creating these roadmaps. Uh, and thinking about the presidential alerts, I immediately was like, what would Octavia Butler say? What would she say? She would say, make sure you have your pack ready in your closet. Mm, right. That is what she would say. Right. And she, you know, and she was very clean and clear about that. She right. gave us roadmaps. This is, you know, Octavia Butler is a science fiction writer, for those of you who don't know. Mm. And, um, and we were just talking about Parable of the Sower, so please read it if you um, have the time. Oh, um, and also Pattern Master. That's my favorite <laughs> one. My favorite. I've read every single one of your Pattern, books. Yeah. Octavia Butler, if you're listening yeah. from the afterlife. Oh, yeah. Thank She's you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, Pattern Master. That's yeah. my number one. And and that's what science fiction does, um, is to help, help us navigate the now, Mm -hmm. even though Mm -hmm. it's another reality. What I also love about magical realism, it helps us to reconnect with rituals and spiritual practices that we might have negated in certain spaces. So within a text space, are we talking about spirituality? No, but we need to be, and we need to be talking about what would the ancestors say? Mm. How would they tell us to build this technology? They would probably say it should be serving the next seven generations. Mm. So Mm. what does that even look like, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And so that can attend to some of the hows as well. Uh, Making those Kind of being brave enough to to ask these kind of non-traditional, unconventional questions in these spaces um, that are well established, right? Yeah. And in the United States, dominate dominate dominated by white men, um, white cis hetero men. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, just to be very very specific. Yeah. And. Um, and all that comes with that, right? All the privilege and entitlement that comes with it. You know, they're being very aggressive and moving into spaces like Puerto Rico is, is an example of um, this kind of do-good heart, you know, from, you know, a group of privileged white people coming in, buying up land in old San Juan and saying, hey, we have this tech to save you. Uh, wrong. (laughs) They should have really gotten training in Detroit. Social justice community can let you know how to enter community appropriately with Mm -hmm. respect. Um, And so, you know, right. And and there's so, you know, when you're working in a blockchain um, crypto space, you don't want to overpromise. You don't want to create too too big of a dream Mm -hmm. that we might not even be able to attend to. But you do want people to understand the tech. And so it's really important to make sure that we're not going in 
cavalry and you know like we're gonna save you and mm -hmm. we don't even know the potential we don't know what they've already been doing on the ground we don't you know it, so you hmm. know, this particular crypto bros you know coming in didn't even ask what was already happening and how they can fully support they were just like we want to save Ew. uh and so that's that that's the colonized kind of situation it's like they literally are like neocolonials in this sense mm -hmm. um, and it's you know and government is supporting it because it's bringing money you know all the mess that comes with yeah. that right um, so we're, that's something that we're trying to avoid and, and we can really do that by looking at um, cultural movements and the arts can really help create these really beautiful pathways um, mm -hmm. to help us create new relationships with um, the financial sector and the tech sector. So, okay. Um, I wanted to talk more about, uh, and whatever you guys can share, because both of you have platforms that are, um, that are pretty new. And so I know you don't want to necessarily share like everything about them, but what is it about um, the, what you're doing currently that you can share so that um, other people can, who are listening, can either become, you know, involved or inquisitive or, you know, uh, contact you, you know, well, about, 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 uh, you know, maybe, maybe they have some ways to support you as well. Well, what we're looking to do at, uh, at Mobify is um, every, uh, we're, we're, we're creating uh, content. We're always looking for different types of content. Every Saturday, we're Facebook living. Uh, and that's Saturdays, I'm not traveling. I've been traveling a lot lately. But every Saturday, 9 o'clock, Facebook Live, uh, Facebook slash, uh, dot com slash Mochify. We go on from 9 to 10, just talk about financial education, financial literacy. We go over the different news, and uh, our, our goal, my goal is to say that every single piece of news has an economic, potential economic impact that you can learn something mm. from. So uh, we'll go over the news of the week, and each news of the week will give financial tips in conjunction with that news of the week of what we can derive from this and how we should act from this to empower ourselves and then we'll give a financial lesson uh last uh, one week i gave you know 15 things young uh, young folks should know or five ways five tips to get a home five tips to keep a home but every other time we're also looking for different resources that we can point people in so um the entire that platform ideally we're connecting with uh, organizations like hud um uh, the envision center that the, uh, the, uh, the HUD created here in Detroit and they have a, a we said how come they can't have a for all those individuals in public housing can we do a, a virtual Envision Center so we're talking with the developers of the app now they're working with HUD to figure out how we can create a national virtual financial education program for all of individuals in HUD so all those in public housing can learn about financial education and then use our technology to pay their rent and then we report their rent payments to establish credit so they can start moving out of public housing. Um, so that's the ultimate goal, municipal ID cards. We, we got a proposal in for uh, New York uh, for that. We talked about Stockton earlier. We, we got a proposal in for that. So we're just, we're always looking for different individuals who have solutions and resources because we're not the only skin in the game. We're not the only ones who have resources. So. Like on some Saturdays, I always say, hey, if you're a financial expert, I'll bring you on camera and you can teach for a little while. Mm. Uh, so uh, we have other, we have financial coaching programs where different individuals, we're recruiting all the time, individuals who would like to uh, uh, get a small stipend and help 
for individuals who are using some of our mobile banking platform, they, they can call individuals and give free financial advice and guidance. Uh, we have networks and nonprofits that who help individuals to provide free one-on-one -on -one counseling ongoing. Mm -hmm. So it really is a, a platform that we've built that has integrated within a larger platform of, of different resources that we've amassed together to really try to create a space where individuals can get nuts to soup because we recognize that some individuals might use our platform for a while to say, hey, I want to go on to a Chase or a Bank of America. And you know what? That's cool. It's not black-owned behavior. We hope, but whatever. If that's what you like to do, not a problem. And we honestly believe that if we can uh, just teach those 88 million individuals that don't have a bank account or are underserved, we can provide them with a safe space to learn that information and not be exploited. So we're always looking for different means and resources uh, to just be exploited. So if folks want to, I guess, reach out, uh, hit us up at uh, facebook.com slash mochafi or just email me, ryan.mac at uh, mocafi.com. We're always looking for ways to partner and, and to just learn and grow with whoever's out there. Love it. Mm-hmm. Dope. Uh, so uh, I'm co-founder of EOS Detroit, and I organize a series of conversations around blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. Uh, I also am the person who will come into your home and teach you blockchain technology and mm. cryptocurrency. So please reach out to us. We are eosdetroit.io. Uh, we are also EOS Detroit on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So please check us out. Uh, the next talk we're having is on blockchain technology and government. Uh, there are about seven states uh, that already have legislation around blockchain technology. Mm. Michigan is way behind. Mm. Uh, we're hoping to have Ian Conyers to come and speak, um, who's a state rep, uh, about state legislation. Um, we have an expert, Nate Talbot, who's going to really talk about how governments um, around the world have been using cryptocurrency to stabilize economic markets and um, so and so forth. So it should be really great because, right, we got the November election coming. So we mm -hmm. got to make sure gotta that vote. our uh, politicians understand um, some of this future tech, this mm -hmm. emerging tech and how it works uh, so that they're not really in supporting tech that might have biases like mm -hmm. the green light program. The green so, light program is so <laughs> terrible. So... Um, <laughs> So please reach out to me. Uh, I am Ingrid LaFleur on Twitter, Maison LaFleur on Instagram. Um, I'm pretty accessible. But yeah, if you want a workshop on blockchain technology, I am your girl. I will be there in a heartbeat. And also look out for EOS Detroit on YouTube. We record all of our talks and we mm. put them there. And uh, we're going to be doing some educational videos so you understand what an ICO is and RAM and all those wonderful things. <laughs> That's really cool. I mean, I've had a great time. Like, what about you guys? The time just went. Yeah, this great was time. great. Crazy. I had a good time. Great Thank time. you so much for inviting me again. I really Thank enjoyed you guys. it. Podcast, yeah, this was awesome. I'm going to have to bring you guys back yeah, because you gave us like so much information. I know. <laughs> and we're going to have to like, because um, you, you both are starting your platforms. So, or they've started, but they're still in the uh, place where you're building them. And so I want to bring you back um, once, you know, you've yeah. got more people mm. kind of on it. And then maybe you guys could, um, like, tell us how that part's going. And mm -hmm. so we could kind of, and, and then keep bringing you back because this isn't, 
I don't want this to be like, okay, well, we talked about blockchain already, or we talked about financial empowerment yes. already. I just feel like we need to keep mm. continuing to have like these conversations because it makes this it easier of, yeah. to understand. Because if I know like, and this is the it's, perfect, it's hard, you know, perfect, to understand perfect, this perfect, stuff. perfect worlds combined, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't this great? You it guys is. are great. Like you guys have to do something together. <sighs> like, I, don't, I, don't I was know, just like, thinking about you guys with what she's doing and her initiatives going into spaces with uh, women in hip hop. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, would yeah. be a dope little. Okay, let's oh do it. Oh my god, let's do it. That would like be a amazing. huge, cool That'd event. Amazing, right? That'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. I already have an idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then Ryan, you have a um, you have a um, a podcast as well, right? Or you're on the radio. Well, I do, I do, I do Karen Hunter all the time. Okay, yeah, because I see you all the time, like yeah. on CNN. Hunter, I see yeah. you. Yeah, and then so it's not um, my own, but it's other people. I, I, I'm a, I'm just a hobo. Hilarious. So I just jump on other people's <laughs> stuff and, and I talk, try to sound intelligent. Yeah. No, I mean, but um, you do it kind of regularly, though, right? Because you have, like, a segment, and then you were talking about... As much as I can get out to New York, I mean, which is more and more now, but uh, right. she wants me to get out there a whole lot more frequently. So I'm, I'm definitely... We're talking. We're in talks about doing something, and even doing something where uh, we're involving community activism, where we're doing, a, like, a GoFundMe campaign. I think we talked about mm-hmm, that and how mm-hmm, we can... Mm-hmm. Use it. She wants to use that platform to help raise capital to help fund local initiatives that once we've created. So, okay. Um, and and I and I think we I've, we've got so many local resources that do so much good work here, especially Detroit. And, um, yeah. Yes. I mean, it's, we've got to galvanize the stuff and actually. I mean, we it's no excuse. Uh, I mean, uh, it, no excuse for us not to look at the local resources and figuring out how we can and, and take these resources, pull them together. And from nuts to soup, we can empower every single Agreed. citizen mm-hmm. in Detroit. Every black person that needs to want to start a business, get a job, create a job, manage any level. We got mental. We got all that stuff covered. All we got to do is galvanize and bring mm. it to the people, man. It really, it frustrates me that we're, it, it hasn't happened yet. But, but we yeah. just got to keep. Well, pushing, you just man. put it out there it's in the happening. universe. It's yeah. happening. Yeah. Yeah. I really feel that in my heart. I really, really believe <laughs> yeah. that. Like I really, really believe that. Back to that hope thing. Like I really close <laughs> my happen. eyes. And I yeah. feel it. It's like it's happen. crazy. Yeah. I really do feel it's it. It's gonna happen. Yeah. But I'm a believer in happening. hope. Hope it's is happening. powerful. Yes. I did grow up on hope. Thank you, Grandma. All right. <laughs> yes. You know, love hope. Um, so, yeah. So, speaking of hope, um, I do hope <laughs> that you guys uh, enjoyed yourselves. Oh, absolutely. You know. Yes, mm-hmm. that's to, great. Today. That's great. Yeah. Because um, I know people are going to be there like, okay, bring them back. Bring them yes. back. Right? It's I like, want to come this back. Is, this is, these, are, <laughs> these are the conversations that need to happen right now. And yeah. Before you even ask me, my final word is is thank you for giving me the opportunity to see that on a on every single level there's value within myself. And like yeah. that's where it starts. Like, you know how you have those moments where if you allow yourself to have those moments where you be like down on yourself and you're like, uh, like that value set that I know I have, like I said, I know I can feel our initiatives coming together and us being more powerful, being more collective. Like, mm. I want to feel that within myself first. And that's mm. what this conversation did for me today. So, thank wow. you. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Any final words? Oh, man. <laughs> I think that um, more than anything, the imagination is so great and mm. powerful. And we really want to take the time to invest in it and expand it and challenge our imagination uh, and I really think that that's the, the pathway to liberation, and it's something that I work on for myself every day. Wow. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. How about you, mister? I'll just say uh, we don't need no more critics. <laughs> we need people. 
we need people who are willing to do something. And I'm quite frankly tired of all those individuals who, who found a comfortable space mm. at criticizing other people's efforts because they're so scared of, of, of realizing their own potential. Mm. That we have to just, the, the critic can go to hell <laughs> because the doer's got to get some stuff done. Right. And, my, and my, my mentor, Andrew Young, said Martin Luther King started a national movement with 70 people, and most of them wasn't even on, wasn't even on payroll. Mm. So it ain't about money that's going to start the movement. It's about drive and passion and purpose and understanding that there's something on the other side of that mountain that we can climb over to get to. Wow. Well, my final word is thank you again. And, you know, I got to let everyone know about the events coming up. Um, October the 11th, which is going to be this week, which is when the podcast comes out, Force Detroit, which is a new organization, has done this incredible survey where they've surveyed 600 people about their interactions with law enforcement and the relationship to law enforcement. And they have a community survey. They're going to do the community survey reveal from the results and they're going to have free dinner. It's a free event. This This is going to be this Thursday, October 11th. It's going to be at... Wendell Anthony's church Ah. and it's called Fellowship Chapel right and that's on West Outer Drive it's from 6 o'clock till 8 o'clock so free dinner community conversation and reveal the results Mm -hmm. of the the survey I'm interested in seeing what those results are okay come come check it out it's going to be awesome Um, then October the 19th and 20th uh, Michigan Voice is going to be doing um, the People of Color Summit so it's just in time for us to figure out what we're going to do for 2020. We have to start building some more candidates for 2020. Um, we have to start looking at, you know, uh, what's going to happen because we're going to have this midterm oh. and hopefully we flip the Senate uh, and mm-hmm. moving forward, you know, what, what's going to happen for 2020, right? So how do we build power and not just in Detroit, but in the state of Michigan? Mm. So um, various organizations coming together to uh, do two days of strategy around building power. So that's going to be at um, WC3 Northwest Campus, which is down the street from Fellowship Chapel on uh, on Outer Drive. And um, like I said, that's October 19th and 20th. Those are two full days of conference, basically. Outer Drive is popping. Outer Drive is popping, right? It's popping in the hood. It's always popping. And then um, October 27th, that's going to be um, Freedom School. And uh, Freedom School, we have a event at the Charles H. Wright Museum from 1 to 4, and basically we're going to be informing the community of the new um, third grade reading law, also um, about issues Mm. dealing with water and and what's going on in the schools, Mm. as well as solutions and strategy. So it's folks coming together who um, care about education, so we're talking teachers, administrators, parents, youth, and just community members who are interested in, in, in supporting education. Um, we're going to have folks coming that are working against bringing this um, prison into the city that they want to build um, and just looking at, you know, criminalization of, of youth mm. and, and all of this. So just uh, really important conversations and issues and building strategy with one another. And we'll be leaving there um, in teams. So you'll actually have action steps as to like how to move forward. It's not just conversation. It's education, but then also what to do next. And then uh, moving into November, um, November 8th through the 12th, that's going to be the Just Transition Assembly 
at the um, Cass Corridor Commons. And uh, just transition is basically how do we move from an extractive economy to a regenerative economy that includes everything that we've just been talking about right mm. now, including environment, including right. food, including, you know, and, and, it's, and it's exactly what you both are saying. What do we do in the meantime? Mm. We know that we don't want to be exploitive. We know yeah. we want to do something different. But how do we get there? And so it's going to be a few days of conference. So we'll have people coming from Cooperation Jackson in Mississippi, which is where our beloved uh, Chokwe Lumumba, uh, who was martyred and, and is, was mayor, but whose son took over as mayor, is currently mayor, right? They have great information as to how to build power. They spent 20 years mm. building power to create their own candidate and seat their own candidate. And they're going to come and share this information with us mm. doing things called people's movement assemblies so to teach us how to actually build our own power back, which is what we used to do, which is how we seated Coleman Young, but just uh, kind of bringing those strategies and things back, you know, to now so that the same energy that our community put behind Ingrid we could build and grow that so that we could actually seat Ingrid, right? <laughs> right. So that that's that's you know, so that's just that's just uh, some of the events that are coming up. Um other than that, the music that we'll put um with this podcast comes from the women in hip hop uh mixtape. Yes, yes. And all the women, the great women that are a part of that. So you wanna get definitely download that for free on SoundCloud. We found hip hop on SoundCloud. Um so yeah, what did we we, we said we we're gonna have? You know what we'll do again? We'll we'll do Princess again. Okay. Right. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, because we want to make sure that people uh, listen to that song. Um, she's from four eight two one seven. They're being poisoned daily. She wrote a song about it called "You're Killing Me," oh. um, about marathon poisoning an entire black community. Um, that's the song that'll be in the beginning, and then in the end we have um, Book Brown and her song "Time Ticking" because time is ticking. Right? Time is ticking. And November is coming. Yeah. Vote November 6th. Vote, vote. vote yes on the <laughs> cannabis proposal. Vote yes. Please. Oh, yeah. Please vote yes on Please. the cannabis proposal. So that we can, <laughs> yeah. Well, so we can free our brothers and sisters out of jail. So How we can that? free them. So we can get sponge get some of that stuff expunged. Yeah. And so we can have some regenerative economy. Yes, indeed. Simple as that. Simple as that. Yeah. Okay. Well, keep listening. Thank you to our guests. Thank you to our token millennial, Brittany. Always. Thank you, um, Piper. Thank you, Mr. Ryan Mack. Thank you, Ms. Ingrid LaFleur. And thank you to all our listeners. You know, we're up. We have at least a couple thousand listeners now worldwide. All right. So people want to know what's going on in Detroit, and people want to be invested, right? People want to be involved. And um, we definitely want to support these two people that are here because they're doing great, amazing work and impacting lots of people everywhere around the world. So thank you for that. And yeah, keep listening. Um, Piper Carter podcast on Detroit is different. Social media at Piper Carter on Instagram. That's the best way to reach me. But what's your email, Brittany? Brittany at Detroit is different. And Piper at Detroit is different. Let us know what you want us to talk about. And we'll bring that forth. Have a great week. Peace. One, two. Yeah, Showtime, like the present perception is jested. Left back in the dust, the old us. 
It's a must, I bust, it's just too true. Blues traveling, baffled in a dark space, waiting on the spark, face forward, face down. I can't drown, rock a crown full of crystal, got a pound and a pistol. Got down just to get her, get up and see it through. Been a quitter, had to tick up on my next move. Bless you, baby, oh, shoot. Control cruise, bag lady, drop two. Few feelings had my eyes welling, yelling, nigga, make it chew. Bake a few, had to step up on a steady groove. Testimonial, I'm only on my own views. I'm only on my own views. Check who, chest moves, baby, bless you. Got a feeling if I wear it, you can see it too. Unbelievable, we unaccountable. Insurmountable two cents, the doubt and what you spit. For me, it just ain't meant to be. Got blessings in my pedigree. If you don't get it, then just let it be. It's relativity, I'm boxing with the best of me. The rest of me is just a dream. This little light beam. So when you see me, let it ride. So when you see me, let it ride. Time ticking, 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 it's ticking away. Ticking away, away, snicking the way. Don't let it catch you, slipping, slipping, stepping away, away, slipping away, away. The time change. Time ticking, sticking, ticking, it's ticking away. Ticking away, ticking, sticking away. Don't let it catch you, slipping, slipping, stepping away, away. Time change. Time change. Time change. Time change. Time change. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city.